It's time for the Recruitment Marketing Rebelcast. This is the show for all you recruitment marketing rebels out there who are done with posting, prey, and recruitment funnels. Are you ready to bring real change to talent acquisition? Come for the voice of the candidate and stay for the snark. It's time for real talk from the front lines of the talent revolution with your hosts, Alin Bailey and Tracy Parsons. Right on. Hello, Rebels. Hello. Here we are. We're here. We are on a bright and sunny. It's not. It's dark. It's dark and rainy. Dark. No, it's it's dark and rainy. (laughs) (laughs) Ohio is channeling its inner Portland as well. It isn't because it's dark and rainy here, too. We are just like it's a um, and you know what? It's it's dark and rainy outside and um we were just talking a second ago before we started to kick off the the podcast today that it's a little dark and rainy in the in in the recruitment marketing world at the moment. It just feels like it. It's got I'm like that. It. Yeah, just like um, you know, throw on your raincoat and um, go outside at your own <laughs> at your own risk <laughs> and make sure that you wear very tall and deep galoshes. <laughs> exactly. Watch out for the mud puddles full of bull crap. But yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> well, what's what I find what I find entertaining is that um, we were supposed to record last week. Uh huh. Um, at the end of the week, and I was like, Alin, I can't do it. I am up mm-hmm. to my eyeballs, and you're like, okay. I'm like, so it is. It is literally Saturday morning. It is the crack of dawn for Alin, and it is. I'm on the East Coast, and it's what feels like the crack of dawn for me. But the reality is, when we were trying to come up with a topic, I had this wonderful woman who I met last year on a project email me, and she was like, my team is so behind the times. Do you have any tips or tools for change management? And so I was like, but I know a Lynn, I know a Lynn has a lot of tips and tools for change management. And that was the board. That was the birth of this week's podcast. So I want to give a shout out to Tammy for raising the issue. But then what I think happened was it got a Lynn and I, and a broader part of our network spiraling on this very topic. <laughs> Why are we talking about change management still? Oh, my God. Is this really what we do? It is. And I was on, I was, it is. And I was on the phone with a very old dear friend of mine. We're not old. Well, she's not old. I'm old. Um, But we were, we were talking about how are we still talking about the same things 15 years later? And I was, I was so, it struck me. I was like, oh, my God. It is true. It is true that I'm still having conversations with companies. Now, they may not be your big enterprises, your Pepsis, your FedEx, your Intel, or maybe it is. But I'm talking with like people who have been around, people that are struggling to get talent. And they're still saying to me, well, why would I want to do employer brand? And why, what am I going to get out of out of recruitment marketing and player brand. I mean, what is the ROI on these things? Because I mean, it just seems like it's a nice to have. And it seems like 
I mean, it seems kind of like, it seems flow flighty. Like it seems not real. Oh, I mean, um, if I, yeah. If I hear the fluffy term associated with it one more time, I think I'm going to lose my mind. Uh-huh. I, I, I get it. And by the way, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I think it is the big enterprises. I think it is all of us. I think that I can, I work every day. I feel like my job is, um, as much about figuring out how to make things work as it is about holding people's hands and walking them through the through the through the path to help them get get to something to execute something um but the fear and the angst associated with it you know i feel like we're adopting um technology and artificial intelligence which should be scaring the crap out of the recruiting industry if they were even halfway smart i mean that's the thing that's really going to impact their their day-to-day jobs they should have angst around we're implementing that 10 times faster than we are the basic concept of how do you drive experience how do you build relationships um um, and and how do you think proactively about recruitment marketing and managing your pipeline? For some reason, we're more than happy to throw the robots in, but we can't seem to figure out how to talk to people like humans. I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Right? And I is it born from that old mindset of they should be lucky to work for us? I, I think maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me. Um, I guess. I mean, the, there's a part of me that always um, it goes back to thinking about, you know, we often look through the lens of our own experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And it's true, right? Um, when, when many of us first started looking for work or first started looking for jobs, um, we had that internal, you know, pressure, that sense that, you know, I need to find something, Right. And, and maybe we translate that as we were lucky to get what we got at some at some level. So we think everybody else should be, too. But I don't even think that was the case for many of us. I think that it's like this no. um, uh, Stockholm syndrome that we've created for ourselves. Right. The the Borg has has assimilated us all into this idea that um, everybody on the outside really wants to be inside. And. Yes. Your job is to man the gates and keep them away and, and only let um, the ones that are worthy in. And it's a, um, it's a, it's a really scary concept, right? It, it's, I mean, I have to tell you, but it's, just, it's not even that big left, that big concept, right? That big concept of how do you help people understand not everybody's banging down your door and you need to proactively go out and, 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 and work them. The basic concepts of let's assume, let's assume everybody's, you know, many of these people are writing, everyone's banging down their doors and they have 3 million applications every day and they don't have any trouble finding anybody. You know, part of recruitment marketing is also understanding how do you manage those people and engage them in the right way so you continue to build um, the right brand reputation for your company and it has a downstream implication to your business results, right? I mean, who's how hard is it to get people to walk through the concept of if you don't talk to people, if you leave them in a black hole, they think you suck. Right. Right. But then, the, but then they turn it around in the whole... Well, those aren't the people we want anyway, until you say, and you can show them, you can show them a piece of data after piece of data that shows them what it costs their business, right? You can show them that 
that not that not talking to somebody that not that you can t- show them that black holing people is costing your business millions. Right. They don't they don't believe you. I you know, I I, I I think that I think that I'm just getting very frustrated because it's the same thing that I've been talking about for mm-hmm. so long. Mm-hmm. And and when I still have to educate people on this concept that for me is is based on the golden damn rule. Right? right. That there's nothing earth shattering that we're saying in recruitment marketing. There is no I'm sorry to say, big idea (laughs) or secret sauce that any of us have. This is not something that is trademarkable. This is not really intellectual property. It is treat human beings like human beings, right? And and these are human beings that, I mean, for God, for the sake of, for the love of God, your marketing team is treating customers like people. Right? right? Why aren't we treating them like people? It doesn't make sense to me. There's this high horseness to it. Like, oh, we're better than this. Like, you are not better than this. At a certain point in time, you are going to run out of names. Well, and they are. I mean, I, you know, I mean, so on one hand, right, I, I work with the, you know, I work with organizations every single day. This is 90% of my job is trying to help them understand how to to leverage or think about recruitment marketing as part of their larger ecosystem and structure, right? And let me tell you, on one hand, I'm I the the conversation will start. Um, I don't need no stinking recruitment marketing. I can do it all myself, right? I have to have this whole span of control in my own world because I'm the only one sure. who can think this way. Right. Um, and by the way, oh, yeah. I'm not interested in anybody who isn't immediate for me because everybody else is, um, <laughs> uh, you know, everybody else is um, irrelevant talent because I don't need it today and I'll go find it when I need it again. OK, so that's I what they say on one seats. hand. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, they say, and by the way, when I work with the recruitment marketing team, the leads that they give me um, are irrelevant and they haven't managed that pipeline anyway. So, you know, it's not like it's of any value to me. So they're asking for they're they're saying on one hand I don't need this and on the other hand they say and and I do need it and I don't get what I want out of it. So which is it? Pick right? one. Pick one. Because Pick I can one on to be dissatisfied one. about. <laughs> right, you can't have both. Right? Well, apparently um, they can. This seems to be working. <laughs> it does. Oh my god. Right? And then and then and then Alin, I yeah. get into this whole spiral of wait why am I not like letting this work for me? Because there's lots of things in my world that I don't want to do. Sure. There's lots, right? Sure. There, there are Laundry. tons of things. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, right? Totally. Yeah. But how can I, you know, set up a, um, I don't, I don't need you. And if, even if I do need you, what you do is terrible. Right. It's never enough. And, and I don't, and it doesn't seem that it seems that no matter what results we're producing, people can't see the value in it. Oh, like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I ran, I've run, I don't know, maybe a hundred campaigns for a customer this past year. And we had a 75% open rate and a 35% click through rate. 
over all campaigns. Amazing. I know. Are they excited about it? No. They don't see the value in it. And I'm just looking at them going, how can you not see <laughs> wait, wait, how completely engaged your audience is in did opportunities they, and you did, convert them faster? Yeah. Well, did they say, yes, but how many of those people applied? <laughs> Always. <laughs> Now I will tell you that we did ran we did run a campaign that had a forty percent apply rate. Oh, I'm sure it's not like it's not like we don't care about that. But it's just, I know. It's, it, yeah, absolutely. I was working on I've been on working on a project um, for the last um, three weeks, um, redefining uh, recruitment marketing in your organization, but particularly looking at success measures, right? Oh. And um, I'll tell you what was interesting. What was interesting was that when we started to talk about success measures, the big thing that rose to the top was angst around being measured for something as a recruitment marketing team that they that uh, you didn't feel was in the span of your control. So I feel like we're, we're playing our own worst enemy. So let me give you an example. Yep. Um, you know, in order to build a good, so spoiler alert, people, this is like, you know, if, if you're not aware of this, this is like a basic, okay? In order to build a good recruitment marketing plan, you need to understand your current market penetration with an audience. You need to understand what your brand affinity is. You need to understand, um, you know, what's resonating, what isn't resonating, right? And let me let me top this off. You don't, as a recruitment marketer, control every element of that right neither does the consumer marketer neither but okay right you still need to measure it right like you still need to know it so that you can make smart choices and decisions based on it but what i found was is that the recruitment marketing teams were actually flinching at this idea that they would look at any data that didn't they didn't have full autonomous control over because anything else if they put it into a measure into a data other people would come and hold a stick over them and say that they weren't doing their jobs because the number didn't look good it was amazing to me and and i and i was struggling with this idea of is this a is this a function of um, just this fear that has been developed over time that people don't understand what recruitment marketing is. And so they're afraid that the peers and the partners that they work with will um, are, are looking for some reason to find them not worthy. Or is it because the, the teams that are working in recruitment marketing themselves don't, um, don't even understand themselves that what they need to be knowledgeable about and thinking about is beyond the transactional output, right? The transactional correlation directly to a to a hire, that there are all these other elements that they need to understand in order to do their job, that they're actually not um, just recruiters, cr recruiter lights that are about talking to people or, or sending communications. Like they actually, there is a discipline associated with it um, and that there's value associated with that discipline. So I, I don't, I, I don't I know whether it's, it's them or it's, us. I think it's both. I honestly think it's both. And I think it goes back to the, the lack of higher understanding, right? If everybody wants to sit and make us accountable for hires, they're missing the point, right? Yep. It's like making marketing accountable for the number of sales that were made. 
right? There is an accountability on marketing side for how many sales were made, right? Maybe the messaging was wrong. Maybe the leads weren't wrong. So they, they are being held accountable to sales numbers, but that's not the only number they're being held accountable to. Whereas in our space, the only number I think really matters to the people that make the decisions and write the checks is how many hires were produced based on recruitment marketing. Right. Because at the end of the day, recruiting um, is still seen as a transactional function. Correct. I need a body. Send me a body. I need a body. Send me a body. Go to the factory, build me a widget and hand it to me. Thank you. That's what they're looking for. That's right. Which is, oh, that's why we don't want to treat them like humans. Right. They don't think of them as humans. Well, I, and it goes back to that whole idea of requisitions. Like, I honestly oh, think if we, I honestly think this is, this is, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second. Ah. This is, this is one of those things that if we want to make any lasting change in this industry, we will stop calling them requisitions. Requisitions are for desks and computers. They are not for human beings. They are not for people. You don't requisition a person. You requisition desk equipment. You requisition staples. You don't re- requisition Jill. I, I oh my god I love that rant but you're absolutely right exactly it's a peppy a requisition which is basically just a, a purchase order right it's a PO it's a PO right fine you want to use your your tracking mechanism inside your ATS to track your data to drive your compliance so you can report to OFCCP how many requisitions you opened and how you um, managed it through the process and your open right. Fine, great, but that is not that does not have anything to do with an actual human being. Nothing. It is They're so frustrating. Two different. Me. This is why. This is why. Oh my god. This is why I will go on this rant when we have this conversation about job descriptions. Yep. Right. And I will tell yep. you day in and day out. I think there is a distinct difference. Writing a fabulous job ad. Right. And and a job description. You're right. We don't need to turn change the term. That's what it should be. Right. Fabulous job description is a very important thing to do. But we cannot get our companies out of thinking that the job description is the wreck. Is the purchase order. And, yes. and that's the thing. And 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 we've I, and I've noticed that as an industry, we've shortened it to make it sound less like a P.O. <laughs> Right. Because if we walked around calling it a requisition, we would have to come face to face with the fact that we are treating people like office furniture. Yeah, exactly. So if we shorten it, it feels less ugly. It's a wreck. Exactly. Right. It's a wreck. Oh, how many wrecks do you have? Well, I have 30 wrecks at one time. That's a lot of wrecks. No, no, no. No, no, no. It should be. I have to find 30 unique people, persons, human beings to do these specific jobs for our company oh that generates this type of result that contribute to our bottom line in this way. Oh, no, no, it's a wreck. It frustrates me. So right. if we want to talk change management, first thing we should change. <laughs> yeah, See, this is where, this is, yeah, this is this where I'm for... really good at it, Lynn. I can yeah. tell you all the things that you need to change, and then I can't tell you exactly how to change it other than just change it. Just decide and do it. Just do it, damn it. Why is it so hard? No, because it is. It just is hard. Because people intrinsically do not like change, no matter what I they know. say. People hate I know. change. 
I love the it. change. But you know what? I think you just pinned, you just, it's so interesting because this has been a topic I've actually been working on for the last couple of years. This idea of moving, this whole concept of moving from transactions to, um, to relationships was really based in this idea of removing the requisition from the, from the, from the mix. Right. Yeah. And, and I went after the requisition first. It was before I started going after it, went after the requisition first. Okay. Uh, and um, that died. Like, it was a slow <laughs> and painful death. Um, a, a quick and painful death or a slow and painful death? You know what? For everybody else, it felt quick and painful. For me, it felt slow and torturous because I could not understand why this was so hard. <laughs> I, honey, that's the, the case story of my life. <laughs> frequently the case for me where I spent hours sitting here staring at my computer screens going, I don't understand. I have this quote um, that sits above my um, uh, that sits above my computer screen um, that I have on my wall from Alice in Wonderland, and it says, "Sometimes I've believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast." And I look at it every morning when I'm in my morning meetings, usually because it reminds me that in everybody else's mind, it feels like what I'm saying are these impossible things that I've believed. That everybody else is like, how could that? You can't, you can't touch the requisition. That's 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 like the holy grail. It's like, um, you know, it's a, it is, it is a completely untouchable the sacred cow. The sacred cow. Everything's a sacred cow. Yeah. So I started there and I said, okay, I can't do that. So then, you know, first rule of change management, as much as it's frustrating for those of us who are much more direct in our approach, um, is in my mind, okay, meet your audience where they're at, right? <laughs> Says, okay, they see this as a sacred cow. It may be a stupid sacred cow, but nonetheless, it's their sacred cow. How do you, how do you move, how do you go around the cow um, instead of trying to push it off the road? Um and I think that's a, a a tactic and approach that has worked, right? Okay, so talk a little bit more about that because my only go-to in change management, and this <laughs> is again, again, you guys are gonna laugh because it's obnoxious. Blow the cow! Up. I liter I literally go with FOMO. I use FOMO against people all the time, <laughs> all the time, right? When I'm trying to get somebody to do something totally different. Well, Jimmy's doing it. Like I literally do the fear of missing out, right? Um, I do, I do the whole, you're, you're, you know, you're yep. going to miss out on yep. all of this stuff. Yeah, it's, it's the same one that we use with our kids. Come on. If you don't do this and you're going to miss out on going out this evening or. You know, what's funny. I, I don't do FOMO with Owen. Really? And honest to God, it's the funniest oh. thing in the world. Um, just, just on my industry, which huh. is interesting because my son is far, far <laughs> more accepting of change than That's the industry. Right. So I think I'm pointing out to myself that I've been doing it wrong. Ah, bingo. I, so here's, here's my number one tactic. This is, this is my number one. I still believe it's the, it is the hardest thing to do. Um, it is the reason why um, I will have um, very little career trajectory um, in the course of my lifetime because nobody likes this person. Um, but in order to drive change, you I have like this to, person. Right. But you have to be the person who stands up and removes or does not allow what I call um, 
the cognitive escape routes to exist. That when people are in conversations and they are going down the path of least resistance, right? Or they're creating um, uh, excuses for themselves about how the thing that they're doing uh, is rational or makes sense that you have to point out to them like like a really good I, I feel like 90% of um, um, 90% of driving change is being a, being a therapist to your organization. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. It is being, it's being the person who sits there and says, that's, that's not let's let's talk about how what you just said, isn't accurate. You, you may not use this as an escape route. So you may not say, let me give you an example of what we do in change all the time. We don't want to make people feel bad, right? When change happens, change often means, well, it always means, right? Change inherently means you're, you need to do something differently, right? Okay. Which generally and people hate. People hate because inside the core of you, if you have to do something differently, it means that what you've done all, before isn't good enough or who you are isn't good, right? There's there's this instant, we go back to this instant, uh, you know, uh, person sitting in the corner, rocking back and forth, telling ourselves, we are good enough, we are good enough, we are good enough, right? So leaders come in and they, they recognize this, whether they consciously recognize it or not, and they start, mass, um, you know, wrapping the message in things like, don't worry, um, it's not that big of a change. Right. When oftentimes it is. Right. Right. So lie right. number one, you'll get trapped in it immediately. It's spin. Right. right? It's yeah. spin. Spin is a cognitive escape route. Going in and saying to somebody, you know what? Every, you did everything you could. You did everything right. This is just a different um, way to think about it. Right. That's the cognitive yes. escape route. You want to know it's a cognitive escape route because that says to you, if I say to you, Tracy, I appreciate what you've done. I think this is really good stuff. Let me give you a different approach to try next time, right? Something that maybe um, would be an option for you because I'm trying to kind of sugarcoat this idea that I need you to try. You're making really it softer. Absolutely. I'm making it softer. But what I'm really doing for you in your head is I'm allowing right. you to say, well, I can legitimately continue down this path because you said it's good. You said it's achieving oh. what you needed to achieve. Why would I change? Change is hard. Right. Right? And we do tend to avoid hard things. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Or we do things like we say, um, you know, thank you, you know, everybody. Our results for this year um, look really good. Right. I mean, I, you guys worked so hard. I can't believe how hard you worked. I'm so proud of all the effort that you put towards this. As we go into next year, here are going to be our goals and some things that are going to be different. Right. Right. What did I latch on to why, the message? Why, well, I did good. Right. I did good. Now, you, you've pointed out to me one of my flaws that makes this so frustrating to me. For me, okay. change is not a big deal. I don't mind. I don't mind right. at all. Right. Um, I'll sh shift with the wind if I see a better way. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I don't take any of this personally. Right. It's like, I, and I'm perfectly comfortable doing things the dumb way. Right. And, but right. if I find a smarter way to do things, then I'm going to do that. But, but it's very difficult to walk into a meeting and go, okay, all this stuff that you've done is kind of the dumb way. That's right. That's right. And, 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 and to avoid the cognitive escape route, you have to get brutal. And I'm not saying, you know, go tell people they suck. 
right? But what I'm saying is right. We're not talking about mean. That you have to be mean, but you have to be clear, right? It's it's like when you're giving performance feedback to um, if if you're a manager and you've ever had to give performance feedback, right? We have all fallen into this trap. We know this trap. This trap where giving people uncomfortable information about their performance is really hard to do. Nobody likes to look at somebody and say you're just not measuring up. Right. So what we do is, is we use all of these like stupid tricks that don't work, by the way, because everybody knows them. I'll sandwich a good I'll sandwich a bad thing in between two good things. Right. Or all. Yes. The sandwich approach or um, I will make sure that I point out for you all the reasons why I think you're a great person and then tell you how I don't like your performance. Right. All of these cognitive escape routes that we actually create for us as the people who are delivering the message to make us feel better about the fact that we have to tell somebody something they don't want to hear, which is things have to change. I've actually found that my most successful opportunities for change, and it's, 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 um, you know, again, like I said, it's the thing that will, um, has and will continue to be um, the reason my long-term career trajectory is not like, you know, uh, if there is, is that idea of speaking truth to speaking truth um, and doing it in a way that makes people feel safe, but, but saying we are going to, this isn't, no, this didn't work. And no, you, you can't look back at this and say that was a legitimate option. Yes, you did make people feel this way. Look at it. Realize what you did to people and decide you're not going to do it anymore and do something different. Um, Yeah. It it is the most powerful because people, because then they get to make a conscious choice, right? I'm choosing then to do things, do something that um, you, that, that I have now been able to identify doesn't work. Right. So do you think it's about, do you think it's about showing TA leadership the cost of their behavior? Or do you think mm-hmm. it's getting them to empathize? Like, how do we how do we get them to realize the way we're treating well, people isn't acceptable? I think there's two because I think that's a different audience. So I think that's the other that's the other component of change management. I think that we've got to understand that our audiences have different motivators. Okay. okay. So the people who need to do the task, who need to change something, the people on the ground, they're 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 the people that that last message was for, right? Yep. You need to understand that TA leadership. Or, or I need to understand, we all do, it's a good reminder for myself, is uh-huh. if TA leadership got there by doing what they're doing today, or, some, or you know, they, there is a, um, they have built their success on, uh, on the frame that you are asking to shift, okay. right? So, and, and, and also, many people in TA leadership um, aren't TA experts, right? So you can't right. go and send them the mess, tell them the message around what it means to build, um, you know, good relationships. When the truth is, I, I face this every day, a good portion of the people who are in TA leadership positions are really um, uh, uh, transactional managers, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they're, that's what they, that's how they got to those roles. Because if TA has been so focused on the transaction, who got promoted? Right. 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 So, so, so their lens on what value is, which is speed, efficiency, and cost, right? Mm-hmm. Quality, which is about how many, um, how many, um, 
uh, lack of failures can you have in the system or whatever they want to call it at that particular moment, right? All, it's all about mm -hmm. quality control, not quality of output. Um, mm -hmm. That's what that's where their bread and butter is like. That's where their focus is. And so, not that so to them, all this stuff is fluffy. It's irrelevant. So I think the message for them has to be different. I think the message for them has to be um, the if you want, you have to give them a carrot, something that says if you want a seat at the bigger table, right? Yeah. You have to show them where the world is changing. If you want a seat at that bigger table, if you want to make that next evolution in your career, if you want, these are these are the types of things that you need to do um, that will ingratiate yourself to the next level, right? You don't want to be the redheaded stepchild of HR. Then you need to start talking about experience and people. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, you want to, you want to get the next HR VP role. That's what you're going to need to do. And it's about tailoring that message to them, I think. Um, but it's a, um, it's a challenge, right? I, I think it explains why, the people who are doing the job are trying to meet the expectations of the people who are leading and the people who are leading um, are not necessarily um, the, the right people to be leading, honestly. So is, is there an element of what we do in recruitment marketing that we can use in change management? So I heard you say something really interesting um, and you didn't say it this in this way, but what I heard was, you know what, if we want to get people to change, we have to show them what's in it for them Yep. And and we have to help them see how this can be implemented, right? How this how this how we can get what's in it for them to happen. That's right. It has to feel very actionable for them, very tangible for them. Um and it has to, you know, the the fundamental so the baseline element of change will remain the same. No, nobody will make a change, even the simplest of changes, unless they believe, right, that not making the change is a greater risk to them or to the output than making the change would be. And, right. and that's a hard thing to do when the business is built on the back of people who um, are focused on reducing the number of excursions that occur. Because if you're focused on reducing the number of excursions that occur, the worst thing you can do is create um, to change something in the system, which could create is an unknown, right? Yeah. And unknown um, it means I can't predict where that excursion is going to come from and and resolve it. So there's angst associated with that. Um, I think that's the message in the leadership space. I think in the in the in the doer space, it is um, connecting them to their inner human. Yeah. Right. Like reminding yeah. them that they they themselves, right, um, wouldn't want to be treated this way. Yeah, and I and I mean we we've talked about this before, and I'm getting ready to go do a conference session next week on candidate experience. And one of the, it's interesting because I have, I have seven, I have four pretty quick fixes, easy fixes. And then I have three that are a little harder. And one of the ones that is, is harder is that experience of limbo in the black hole. Right. And I know what it feels like. We all know what it feels like because we've all applied to jobs. This is not a, this is, this is not a thing 
that is mysterious to us as right. practitioners or leaders. Right. We have all had experiences that are challenging and angst-ridden and scary. And it, that's, I guess that's where I get totally stuck. Like, how can we, as practitioners and leaders, not realize that we have the authority and power to change this horrifying <laughs> experience, right? We are literally the people who could make the world a better place, and yet we choose not to over and over again. But one of the things that I that I talk about in the session next week is how unbelievably unfortunate it is that we refuse to implement our automation while everybody is in that in review stage in the ATS, right? Right. You're in you're in the under review stage for 30 days, right? And most candidates know feel that if they don't hear back in a week, it's over. Yeah. They just do, right? Yeah. If I haven't heard anything because in a week, I'm out. Because they've moved on with their lives. I mean, here's what we forget. I, I don't even know, understand how we forget it. But yes, this is, um, they have lives. Dear Lord, they have moved on with them. They have moved right. on. Like, I, like, I, didn't, you, I didn't get would, it. Would you wait for a week um, to get get um, to get a um, feedback from um, Amazon to tell you that your shipment was was on its way? Well, and even in the even if, if if we could even go so far is to help educate our customer or our, our candidates that this is more like buying a house than it is buying a widget on Amazon. Mm-hmm. There's gonna there there's legal processes. You know, like you 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 might, you know, make your offer, but then it's gonna be 30 days for closing because you've got to do inspections and you've got to do all these things. And you know that as a thing. But in TA, we pretend like this is just this automatic. You apply, we hired somebody, it's over. So my my recommendation, my my fix is that just automate a message every week to go like, you know what, it's not you. It's just yep. taking us a little time. We yep. got a lot of people to go through. Just hang tight. We still think you're awesome. What That is not hard. But we don't do it. <laughs> but we don't do it. And this is, and, you know, for all the, like, you know, information I just gave about tactics and et cetera in, in the change management space, I've got to admit to you, it's not only not hard, I still haven't figured out a way consistently to get people to not only do it, but to recognize the points in time when they should do it on their own. Oh, like yeah. it's not, there's no, the, no I, I am having a very hard time understanding still how after you can start to recognize these, these things or, or even understand them from, from the lens of the experience, how you don't recognize when you're creating these processes or creating these components, where you need to, where you need to make good moves. Right. Yeah. It's um, it's it's a mystery to me. So that didn't help. Yeah. For me to say yes, I still don't know how we do it. But I think that's fair. <laughs> I think we have to be honest about that. By the way, I think, I think otherwise we're all going to go insane. Right. Yes. There, we're all going to start because we all believe everybody else has figured this out. I I don't think that that there's truth in that. I think that no. I think that we go to these conferences or or we hear these conferences. We we look at the articles. We watch the stuff on live stream. We do whatever. And we watch people get up on stage and talk about their success stories because every conference, what they want is people to come up and talk about their success stories because they think that's how people learn. Right. Yep. Again, falling into the cognitive trap. There, yep. if, if I do this, I can get this, right? Which isn't accurate. Life is messy. Nope. 
Yep. And I think what we don't do is talk enough as an organization about how fat or, or as a as an industry about the, the, like this is hard. And in fact, it sucks a lot. Right. And it's really yeah. difficult to and we're not all winning every day. Um, no. In fact, there are some days we are just, you know, barely treading water. I mean, the the fact that I can't use straws anymore is a bad thing because half the time I'm underwater and I need the straw <laughs> to breathe. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just we this is this is difficult crap, and we all have um, ways that we are making small wins every day. And yes, I think we need to celebrate those, but I also think we need to not fall into our own cognitive trap that says we've gotten everybody on board now because they were on board yesterday, they'll be on board tomorrow. And I don't think that's the case. I think it's no, because be I still constant. can't get them on board. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I there's just, there's just, there's just this huge gap and things, meaning cost per hire, time uh-huh. to fill, candidate uh-huh. experience, keep getting worse. So this goes back to my other thing and I'll say about change management. I re- went back to it again um, over the course of this last week. I told you I've been working with um, the team on kind of the next evolution in the recruitment marketing space and saying, okay, we're, we're learning some stuff now. How do we kind of really embed this, which is my nice way of saying we got some rules and some titles and some people, but we still have some shit to do here, right? Yep, and, yep. And the, the biggest thing that we had to go back to was measures. What are we measuring and how are we measuring it? And I I have this, um, uh, it's a slide, it's a talking point I used a few years ago and I've been pulling it back out again, which basically says that we can't move forward judging tomorrow with today's measures. At the end of the day, what we measure is, is what's going to drive everything. And if we've been focused up until this point, right, on measuring trans efficiency in transactions, right, instead of quality in relationships, you can look at our measures and you can see why that's what we're getting, right? So think about it. We measure volume, how many people did you get, instead of how many relevant people did you get, right? Two different stories, relevancy yep. over volume. And um, every time I get into that conversation, every time I get into that discussion, it's, well, how do you, how do you even identify that's right. You know, like, right. how do I identify? Like, right. oh my God, that's the that problem hard. that we need to be solving that. That's right. So this is, so I think we identify by saying, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. In the same way that I contracted with you, how many people you needed in your pipeline, I should be contracting what relevancy is. What does good look like to you? It's, it's like the base, take what recruiters already know how to do today, which is hopefully know how mm-hmm. to do today is when they go in and say to a hiring manager, what are you really looking for? Recruitment marketers have yeah. to be saying, what are you really looking for? Let's make an agreement on that, what that is, <laughs> right? Yep. Let's go after that. Right. Right. Um, we, we need to be, we, we measure speed, right? How fast, speed to hire, time to fill. Oh my God, I hate those measures. Just hate them, right? Because mm-hmm. they're all about how fast and how efficient we can be rather than how deep did we go? How much information, you know, we go into this new cognitive era and all this great AI everybody is putting into place and they're going to have the wake up call of the century when they realize none of their AI works because they didn't understand that you have to have data on people to make the stupid algorithms work. And you don't have data on people because you're going out there and telling people to give you data and they think you're full of shit because you've never built a relationship with them. How much data, how are you going to get data? Thing. You don't know, who, right, no. You don't know anybody, right? right? 
Um, and then we felt we, we measure process. How many excursions did we have? How many? Now, what is an excursion? It's a fancy word for how many times did we screw up? How many times did somebody pick up the phone and say, I hate you? Or how many times did somebody get paid the wrong amount at the end of the day because the offer was written wrong? Or, right? So, see, look, at I, this is what's happened to me. I work in an organization that uses words like excursion. It's like I work in the widget factory. Excursions yeah. are like when, when you created the widget, but there was a flaw in it. You had to, put, you had to throw it out. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Anyway. But we measure process, right? Instead, we need to be measuring what's the experience we created. Right? And but there are there are these simple moves we can make just in the words we use and the types of elements we're checking and measures that I think will help us move. But as long as we're measuring volume, speed, and process instead of relevancy, depth, and experience, I don't think we'll move anywhere. I just want us to get. I would, and I know you don't think that you guys are far ahead. You are far ahead, um, it, but you're wise enough to know that it's not done, right? And there's no there's no ahead that is good enough in our heads, in your your head and my head. Well, because, there's no enough so ahead far- that's good enough, right? And 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 Tracy, the reason why there's no ahead that's good enough is because we okay. And this is not I'm so for all of my. Um, teams who are listening to this, who are part of teams that I work with. I'm not saying this about you in general. I don't, this is, take this as your cognitive escape route. I'm not saying this about you in general, but what I'm saying is as an industry, right? In the, in the, in the baseline of how do you treat people in interactions at the company level, starting at the candidate level, right? And the idea of pipelining and frameworks, we are so far behind human decency and, and that's and the, what I was going to say. Right. Our bar is in the wrong spot. Right. Right. Our We're, bar is always what the next guy is doing and, and how far are we ahead in the industry. And we never place the bar in the voice of the candidate. Right? right. And that's, I think, what is making me so insane lately uh-huh. is that everybody that I talk to is like, oh, we're. We're doing all this research. Oh, who are you researching with? Oh, our own people. Okay, oh, but God. that's your own people. And you're not understanding the voice of the candidate. Right. You are not doing the due diligence. And none of us are. <laughs> right. We all heard that we all heard the message on high, right? This is the thing. We all think we're making traction and we're not. We all heard we're the not. message on high that said you need to have personas. And so what did we do? Um, and, and I'm holding my own teams accountable for this because we did the same thing, right? We took, we went and said, we need to build some personas. Let's talk to some recent new hires because they're inside our company and let's go and uh-huh. talk to some managers and some of us who have been working in this space and we'll sit in a conference room for an hour and we'll build our picture of what, what a candidate wants and needs. What's yep. bullshit? None of those people are candidates anymore. None of them. No, no. And they don't want to be considered that. Right. And right. and for this for this presentation next week, I pull two full slides of tweets of actual human candidates talking about how bad this is. There is so much data out there on the social web. Right. There is so much data out there on the social web that would tell us what the voice of the candidate is. You know. But we don't want to invest in that. I mean, it's it, you know, you and I have talked about this offering that we have mm-hmm. uh, that that explains this entire voice of the candidate movement that we're trying to create. Yep. 
But then I, you know what they say? You know what everybody says? Oh, my marketing team does that. Uh, no, your marketing team is listening for your brand and, and comments about buying from your brand. That's right. Nobody's out there listening to, oh my God, I hate my job. I need something else. That's right. Nobody's out there. Well, we are, but it's, it's, it's very, very difficult to help people understand how different it is to listen outside the Borg. That's right. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting is we're having this conversation. It's, it's, it's reminding me of another um, kind of core element of change management that I think we need to go back to. Right. Okay. One of the reasons I think we're passionate about this and why I'm willing to sabotage my career, my life constantly to win this and to push in this battle and the way reason you'll keep, we keep pushing our head against the wall, all of us, yep. right? Yep. Um, uh, drinking all copious amounts of wine to bitch about how nobody's getting it yet, right? Is yep. because we have latched onto a higher purpose, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, something bigger than ourselves, bigger than the moment, um, that we feel passionate about. And, and I've talked about this before, and I know, you know, as I'm hearing you talk about it as well, it's here, this idea that it's about the human experience, right? And it's about this opportunity we have, at least in my mind, my higher purpose is around this opportunity we have um, in the talent space to really set the tone for what it means to be a human at work. Um, right. And... Uh, to to be able to um, share and create your value in in this world that's around us, and it's a and it's a it's a really complicated ecosystem, but it's about this idea of of, of real human engagement and it and making all of us better in the end, right? I see it as like this. To me, it's you know the opportunity to change the world, right? Through yeah, talent acquisition. I do. I do. Now, I think if we think about it. Part of the reason why change doesn't necessarily happen um, is that we don't help people find their higher purpose. Why? Their why. How do you help people find their why? And maybe their why is different from my why. But if they don't have a why, then they're always relying on somebody else to help point out how to make the next step. Right. They're not looking at for it themselves because they're not trying to see they're not doing their own self measurement to say, how far am I to being able to reach this ideal I've set for myself? They've set no personal driver around it because they have no larger why. I think that's maybe part of it. We've got to figure out how to help people in the recruitment organization, in, in recruiting teams across board, figure out what their bigger why is. And it can't be a business why. It can't be my bigger why is or my biggest North Star is um, I can I can put people faster into jobs or I can increase the value to my company. Um, I think that those are noble and valuable causes as a member of the enterprise you should be focused on those things but there's a bigger why for everybody in, in things that actually change or that drive or that create passion for people um, that we need to help them connect to okay but what if their passion isn't part of their work right and what I, if you meet people and their passion is interior design <laughs> they're recruiters yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to deal with that. It's hard because you know what? It's a hard. That's a really hard concept for me, because it, I can't too. imagine. I have never been able to find a point right where I've been doing work where I haven't been able to connect to something bigger than myself to find value in it. Yeah. Um, 
and maybe that's the challenge. We've got a lot of people who are um, interior designers floating around trying to be recruitment marketers. Yeah. That's sad, but true. I know. I know. Huh. I know. Maybe, maybe that's the gap there. Maybe we help them understand that by building these relationships and connections, you can help better. You can help people connect their color palette better in their living room. Something. There you go. It might be just a whole new lead generation thing for their business. It could be. I'm just saying. I don't know what it is. I just think we have to help people find it. We have to help. I agree. You know, and the other piece to that is, is that, and I tell people this all the time, change is in, is inherently a very personal journey. Yeah. I agree. Very personal. I agree. Help people find their story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping well, this was that interesting was, for people. I, I, this is actually. I, I felt it cathartic. It was I, cathartic, I if nothing else. At least we're being honest with people, right? It's I mean, true. we're not sitting here with you know, um, uh, coming on the podcast talking about all our great strategies to make the world a better place, and that everything's going to be sunshine and roses and unicorns. It's not. Sometimes, no. some days it just sucks, people. Yep. Some yeah. days you're not. You, you know. All those people who you aspire to be, all those brands that are doing crazy good stuff in uh, your point in your mind's eye, yep. trust me, they're as lost as as we are. Right. We're all just we're all just trying to make our way through it. And by the way, I would say for everything we just said about how we're not making enough traction, um, there are some really it's not for lack of a growing and interesting community of people who are trying to figure this out. Yeah, I mean, and and I think that's that that speaks well for um, our hope and our ability to reach what yep. we're trying to get to. Um, I mean, look at how, look how many people listen. Do you know, know that we're getting like a hundred listeners a week? I know that that's sounds insane. like pity pittance for a lot of people out there in our pocket, but for us, I would I can't imagine a hundred people would want to listen to us rant. I know, <laughs> so it's amazing. <laughs> But I and and people are talking and we're having good conversations and I think that that's um, interesting. So I think our goal, my takeaway from this one, Tracy, is I have um, between now and um, June. I start next month. Um, I've got a conference a month and oh God. I'm gonna be talking with people and I think my big um, I, I need to think about this, but I'm gonna really focus around how I can make sure I put inside my conversations and my, and my presentations um, clear messages that allow, that don't allow people to escape. No, yeah. no cognitive escape routes. I'm going to, I'm going to try and be the person on the stage that doesn't, doesn't sell um, fluff and roses and everything. Yeah. I, I actually don't sell fluff and roses when I speak. Um, I, I, there's, there's a, I, I, I usually tell people how bad it is, um, how it is, like how, how it is today, but then you can talk about how it could be. Right. Right. And start getting people to go, Oh, I would like to be on that could be journey Exactly. because I see that this, how it's working, isn't really working. Right. Anyway. Yes. That is a good, that is a good, that's my goal. That's my goal. That, 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 and to, and then, and in the after, and the after parties, if anybody sees me walking around with a glass of wine and wants to, want us to chat, let's talk about finding your why. Yeah. That'll make me happy. That, that's, that, that feels like a valuable use of my cocktail hour time. Yes. And if you see me next week at TA week, 
Let's talk about your why. Let's talk about my why. Awesome. I love it. I hope everybody is going to go see you. I'm so disappointed I'm not going to see it. But oh, it'll be, I mean, it'll be fun. I wish that I was more prepared, but I always wish that I was more prepared. <laughs> you know what, Tracy? <laughs> You're so prepared. You can't even help yourself. That's <laughs> uh, fine. Okay, good. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. I hope that, um, you know, we we ended on a, on a note of um, in, inspiration, something that sparked all of you guys to say, okay, enough dwelling in our crap. Let's pick up our... Yeah. Let's pick ourselves up and everybody, if everybody could take a mission, what are you going to help do? Um, That would be awesome. Let's just keep pushing. I want everybody to keep pushing or just say, I don't want to push anymore. And that's fine. As I said, mental health day is fine. So that's right. And let me tell you, the more hands on that rock and the lighter it gets pushing it up the hill. That's right. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Tracy. Go enjoy your weekend. I'm sorry to make you come in on a weekend. Well, we will. I will talk to you soon. Take care, Lynn. Take care, everybody. Bye now. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Recruitment Marketing Rebelcast. Tracy and I um, had a good Saturday morning sitting down with our cups of coffee and chatting about um, all the challenges that we face every day as we think about um, helping people evolve in the recruitment marketing space. I know that you guys are facing your own challenges out there, too. We'd like to hear about them. But most importantly, I think I'd like to hear about what you think you might be able to do to help us as a profession continue to move and change and switch the dial and put your hands on the rock to help push it up the hill. Um, As we said, um, we're going to start focusing on how to help people find their why and how to help people um, remove their opportunities to have cognitive escape routes in our dialogues and conversations. What are you going to do? Hope it's something truly interesting and inspiring. I'd love to hear about it. Share it with us at RM Rebelcast on the Twitters, or you can reach out directly to at T Parsons or at Ellen Bailey. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. 
If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.